Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. We are up to episode 65, and tonight we have a special Looney guest with us. Uh, we'll be covering a classic run of Moon Knight now, which is a cameo appearance in Amazing Spider-Man number 220. So, grab your issues, sit back, relax, and get your conchu on. Welcome back, loonies. It is episode 65. The Moon Knight train is chugging along. Uh, Connor tonight has um, is a, a little MIA, I must say. He went off to to Conchie's temple in Egypt to, to have a look, and uh, we've lost communication with Connor, so hopefully he's all well and good, and, uh, and he returns to Grant Mansion in one piece. But in the meantime, we do have a returning special guest with us, uh, one of our favourite loonies, it's uh, Josh Geronimo Johnson. How are you, Josh? Oh, I'm doing good, man. It's good to be back again. Excellent. Yes, Josh, it's, uh, it's always good to have you uh, across here. Uh, and I've um, yeah, been popping up a few episodes, which is always, always fun. Uh, look, before we get into, obviously, the, the main crux of this episode, which is the, the Classic Run review, uh, I know that you briefly mentioned to me before... Uh, having some interest in particular with Amazing Spider-Man 220. Uh, why, what significance does it hold for you? Um, it's just in that real uh, era of Marvel that I really like. Like, the 80s Marvel is, like, my favorite era of comics. And so it's kind of right in the crux of that. And when you read it, it's kind of, it's kind of a good, kind of like a good classic team-up between the two of them, to be honest. So that's kind of like the big things that make me like it. Okay. Plus, I have I do actually have it in physical form too. So. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Does it? Does it? Oh, did it cost much, or is it? Uh, uh is... no, no. I got it. Uh, I think I got it in like uh like a dollar bin. I think somewhere. Oh, you Americans and your dollar bins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, having read it, it's a, it's a great. We'll get into it. It's a great issue. Um. I guess, yeah, no major new appearances of anyone or, or anything. So uh, apart from its age, I guess, uh, yeah, the value, I guess, would have been pretty steady um, throughout throughout the course up until today. But yeah, here's a dollar bin. I've got to, I've got to really catch up on my Moon Knight collecting. I, I was just thinking about it the other day and, uh, you know, just thinking about, who was it? I was actually listening to a podcast and one of the dudes on there, um, I'll give another shout out. This is for Epic Marvel Podcast, uh, hosted by Curtis Finlay. He had a special guest there, and they were doing the epic collection of The Punisher, Capital Punishment. And the gentleman on there, he has every single appearance and issue of The Punisher, similar to you know how like some of our loonies, like Luis, has every single Moon Knight issue. And I was just thinking, oh man, that will <laughs> you know I've really got to step up my game here. Um, it sounds like you've got, uh, your collection well underway, Josh. Um, yeah, I have, well, I have almost the entire Mark Spector run. I just need issue 57, right? And I have that entire run. Mm-hmm. And I have some of like the 1980 run 
And then the other stuff I sort of had kind of in trade form. But yeah. with his guest appearances, I only have a couple. I have this one. Um, there's one in, in the Avengers that he's in. I think it's issue 211, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, oh, I have the Defenders, too. His four-issue run in the Defenders. Yeah. And you got Round Robin, um, I'm assuming. Oh, duh. How did <laughs> I forget that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm sort of getting there. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole new kettle of fish, isn't it, with, um, with appearances? Because, you know, let alone there's a monumental effort to get all the Moon Knight comics... But uh, yeah, the appearances is. is uh, I'm always always impressed when people have a, a good bunch of, you know, the the appearances of their favorite character. And I can't believe like the Punisher. That's he's a lot more vast, I guess, than Moon Knight. So this guy, and he exclusively collects Punisher. Like he doesn't he doesn't really bother about anything else. Although he did mention he'll he'll look into getting the uh, Moon Knight epic collection. But yeah, getting having all of the Punisher, I must say that he hasn't got, he did say on the podcast, the only one that he hasn't got was that very first appearance in Amazing Spider-Man, funnily enough, um, with, uh, you know, that famous cover, Josh, with uh, the Punisher? Uh, right, I actually just picked it up. Um, I don't know if you buy them, but Marvel puts out the True Believers yes. reprints. Mm-hmm. They they just put out the they just put out the reprint of that one. Ah, yes. So I just picked it up. I just picked it up and read it for the first time last week. And uh, yeah, that, pretty good. Yeah, those True Believers. I I never did consider buying them, but I guess they'd be uh, they'd be you know quite fun rather than like waiting for say an epic collection or something to come out. Um, they do put out all the milestone issues don't they of um of marvel throughout history i guess so you're looking at that issue i guess they would have the you know for instance the fantastic four issue one stuff like that yeah yeah you know it's a good way to get like physical copies yeah granted they're reprints because if you want to buy like the actual one it'd be thousands of dollars yeah yeah. but they're but they're only a, at least for us they're only a dollar. Yes. So that, that's that's even cheaper than buying it like digitally. And mm. it's nice to actually have a oh. physical physical form too. Oh, that is a good point as well because I was thinking like with my collector hat on, you know, whenever I see them in the store, it's kind of like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. But like, why would anyone buy them? Because you know they would have no like market value. But you you raise a good point. It's exactly cheaper than a digital copy and you get the you you know you get the physicality of it so that's um yeah that is a good point actually far out I might have to start looking into that i'm sure they'll have uh if not already a lot of first appearances of like venom you know he's a bit of a flavor of the month isn't he with a with the movie kind of coming out and and the series doing so well um have you caught that that movie josh uh not yet i was gonna I was going to try to this weekend, but other stuff came up, so mm-hmm. I might go do it tomorrow, maybe. Yeah. Have you, are you collecting the Donny Cates volume, uh, Venom, sorry? Um, I'm actually, I've kind of slowed down on my buying the new issues now, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of fi- financial reasons, yeah. so I haven't really, I haven't picked up uh, any really newish comics yeah. since last week, and... I've kind of cut down my pull list. So. Yeah, uh, the the bane of the comic collector, eh? Um, <laughs> the the pull list seem to like you know expand and contract um, every now and again. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I'm 
I've come out of that lull and I, I'm kind of like adding a little bit more now, but I'm sure, you know, by the end of the year or early next year, it's going to contract again. Um, but we'll see what happens. The good thing, and, and I think I've mentioned it before, is that uh, a lot of the series is now are so limited in their run. Like they're literally limited series, right? You know, even if they go for, uh, you know, say, say the Moon Knight, for instance, Max Bemis's run, it's like 12 issues and that's that's it. It's capped. So the good thing about that is that you get a bit of a break. You can try other series out. You know, I had a look at the Quicksilver one. That was like a five-issue series. Um, yeah, so constantly the pull lists are changed. Um, I can't imagine being a comic store owner and having hundreds of customers con- constantly changing their their pull lists um right yeah i know the guys at king's uh king's comics gym he is very good with it he doesn't i'm assuming he doesn't mind but um yeah it would be a constant thing these days you know whereas in the old days like i remember back in the 90s you just have one like standard list of, of what you wanted and that could last for you know literally 100 issues or so also the other big thing that's kind of happened this week, or is happening now, I guess, this weekend, is, of course, a lot of comic book fans would know about New York Comic Con, which is on at the moment. I haven't really been following this, Josh. I've been trying to, but um, it's hard when, um, yeah, obviously when, when life gets in the way and stuff. Um, with San Diego Comic Con, I used to watch it live on, on YouTube. I haven't even bothered to check if New York Comic Con have that similar deal. But uh, have you been uh, following it perhaps at all or um, just catching some of the articles? Uh, not really. I, I usually don't pay much attention to Comic-Con unless like a big trailer or something comes out. Yeah. I know they did release like an Aquaman trailer, but I haven't yeah. even gotten around to, to looking at that yet. But yeah, Are you an Aquaman fan? Or... Uh, not really, but I'm I, the first trailer actually gets has me kind of interested. So I'm going to go see it regardless, yep. but uh, I am looking forward to it though. Yeah, me too. I mean, I don't collect it, and you know, I'm not. I can't say I'm a DC fan. Not not because I hate them. It's just that I haven't. I don't collect them. But yeah, no, I'll, I'll watch it. Um, I've only been burnt once, really, and that was for me. That was Suicide Squad. Um, but you know, BBS and and ju- even the Justice League. I, I I didn't mind it. I think it was good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, different kind of movies than your MCU movies. But the Aquaman uh, movie looks, uh, you know. Is, is pretty cool, and, and let's face it, they beat Marvel to the punch by, by having some underwater hero. Um, I'm waiting for, for Namor, <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess we'll get Aquaman first. Yeah, I think I think there are some rights kind of mm. things that, that yes. are preventing them from making a Namor thing. I think yes. uh, the Univer- Universal, Universal yeah. has, the, yep. has the rights for that. Yeah, spot on. I think that was the same. So uh, Namor and, uh, and the Hulk were kind of tied up with Universal, uh, um, and I don't look. I don't know the the legalities of it all, but um, he's hoping that he comes back to the MC, MCU soon. Um, just as an aside, and you know, this is not necessarily Moon Knight related. Um, oh well, actually, well, let's just jump into the New York Comic Con because that's where I heard it. Uh, they're going to release a new Invaders comic, I believe. I think towards the end of the year, or maybe even early next year. Um, and of course that, that, so that will have, uh, the Submariner in that, which is, which is pretty good. I'm looking forward to that. And he, and he's been actually featured in the latest Avengers comic, uh, as the, 
the next big bad, I guess. Their first um, arc had finished with the uh, the first host and the Celestials, um, and we're left with Namor. Look, hopefully no spoilers. <laughs> Sorry, actually, I think I think I did. But anyway, Namor, he, uh, he's the next big bad, it seems, at the Avengers by Jason Aaron, so that should be pretty good. Um, look, yeah, like yourself, Josh, yeah, very limited um, viewing and following of New York Comic Con. I, I have a sentimental... Um, bit for NYCC only because I remember. Did you watch when they introduced Sigourney Weaver for the Defenders? Uh, like a couple of years I, ago, or I can't remember last year or the, the year before that. Um, I don't. I don't think so. I don't remember. No, you don't. Oh, I watched that. <laughs> I know this is quite tragic. I watched that like uh, I don't know four or five times. It was such a big thing. I remember when they first announced it, and like no one knew. And it was it was you know spontaneous on there, and then they brought Sigourney Weaver out, and you, you, it was just priceless seeing the looks of uh, Finn Jones's face and uh, Kristen Ritter, how excited they were, and then Sigourney Weaver came out, and then the whole crowd just started chanting "Holy shit, holy shit!" <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was real. Oh man, it was so cool, and and kind of like obviously not being there, but being there during that moment. It was so monumental for me, so you know, I just watched it over and over and over again. Um, I'm not sure if they'll have any big moments like that in New York Comic Con this year, but um, the couple that I've picked up, I guess Marvel-related and, and sticking with Marvel, um, the, the cast of Marvel's Runaways, uh, they revealed um, the Season 2 premiere of New York Comic Con. Um, so if you like your Runaways... Look, I don't mind those series as well. I think they're quite fun. Uh, Runaways and Cloak and Dagger. Again, Josh, um, had you managed to catch any of them? Uh, I did watch... I watched all of Cloak and Dagger. Mm -hmm. And then I think right after the last episode of Cloak and Dagger, they had the first episode of Runaways on. Oh, okay. I only watched... I only watched about half it. I'm like, oh, I'm not really into this. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very different. And, and you know, and that, I love that about Marvel, how these TV shows are all different. They're not all the same. They're not all the same formula. Um, but, yeah, uh, I would have imagined you'd be pretty keen on Cloak and Dagger with the, the Spider-Man connection there, Josh. I mean, um, they're pretty interesting. Did you find that series true to character, or were you, I don't know, disappointed by the lack of comic bookedness? Um, actually, I really don't know that much about Cloak and Dagger. Okay. Um, but, but, you know, I, I enjoyed the, I did enjoy the series. I, it wasn't too long. It was only eight episodes. Mm-hmm. And even though there wasn't really any superheroing, really, mm, yeah. I mean, I guess with them, like with their identities, yep. I still liked what it, what it did. And it did, it showed that even on like network TV, they can still do some like mind bendy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is kind of good for for us because maybe that means maybe Moon Knight <laughs> will be able to get something on network. Maybe yeah. it won't be. They might not be able to do as many violent things, but they can yeah. definitely do the mind twisty things. So. Yeah, that's a good point as well. I was surprised. I don't know if you felt the same with Cloak and Dagger at how much they got away with being a like a you know um, freeform network. I didn't imagine. I mean, there were some, you know, quite adult themes there, and and implied violence, which 
um, would would serve Moon Knight well, I think, if if he did end up in that same kind of fold with the Runaways and Cloak and Dagger, and and I believe Runaways and Cloak and Dagger will be overlapping as well, so you might get a guest appearance from one person or the other. So I like how they kind of stitch that together, but um, yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, well, it's good to good to hear that you um you you know you enjoyed it. I I certainly enjoyed it myself, and I thought eight eight episodes was a decent. A decent amount. I I loved the two leads. I thought they were they were pretty good, um, and kind of looking forward to because the whole the whole season they weren't really together, were they? So I'm kind of looking forward to them, you know, actually being a couple. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's it's good. So yeah, anyway, Runaways revealed season two. Um, the other thing I saw was Sophie Turner, uh, who plays Jean Grey. She talks about how emotionally taxing the role of Jean Grey is in Dark Phoenix. Um, Josh, have you seen the, the trailer for this? Uh, I did. I cannot remember a single frame of it, though. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of similar as well. Uh, I, I saw on Twitter someone saying underwhelmed, and I'd, I'd probably agree with that. I do like the characters, but um, look, I'm not really... And as much as I do like the X Files, I'm not kind of rushing to see this. It hasn't kind of got, it hasn't piqued my interest. So, um, anyway, I do like Sophie Turner. She's from Game of Thrones. Uh, that's how I remember her. Um, so yeah, I mean, well, let's see. Eh, we'll we'll have to wait and see with that. Um, I hear also the New Mutants movie is um, suffering some more delays and such. I think uh, so. That's um, that's kind of worrying. I'm I'm kind of hoping they all get these movies out of the way and then and then Disney and MCU can like take over. Um I, I did you know, I'm just I wanted to see the wheels start turning to actually get the mutants uh in the MCU. I think that'll be pretty good. Um oh also just as a, another bit of news just came to my mind then. Josh, I'm not sure you've been trawling through Twitter or heard about uh the Chris Evans statement on Twitter. Did you see that? Oh yeah. yeah. I- I think people, I don't know if people are reading too much into it, because um, he never really says on there yeah. that, oh, I'm done being Captain America. Yes. But it will it will kind of suck that if he is going to stop being it, but yeah. I mean, I, at the same time, he's been doing it for, yeah. I saw someone post something that he's been, in, he's been in a, in a Marvel movie every year since the first Captain America, whether it's like cameo or not. Yeah. Yeah, he's been a pretty big role, and he really has made it his own. Uh, he, does, you know, previous interviews he's mentioned how taxing it is physically, like trying to get ready to be, you know, in Captain America form, which is totally understandable. Uh, yeah, you're right though. He doesn't he doesn't give too much away, but you can really read a lot into it. And I was thinking though, there's no way Marvel would have allowed him to be so blasé about saying, you know, that's it him or you know what or even implying that captain america dies in avengers 4 which people are speculating um so i think i don't know a bit of a bit of smoke and mirrors here as well obviously there's genuine emotion he's probably you know very um genuine when he says that it's, it's such a such an experience and he feels so honored to be it but uh, i guess i guess we'll have to wait and see and with him obviously hanging up the rollers cap i mean that is coming isn't it i mean we're all kind of dreading it but unfortunately sooner or later that mantle will be passed over and and as kevin feige said uh, what ages ago uh 
he views all the Marvel characters similar to like James Bond. You know, they can be recast uh, and they can continue going. And it's just a reality, isn't it? I mean, everyone ages, so you can't be, you know, can't be Logan or you can't be Captain America forever, uh, which is sad. But um, yeah, but uh, it just kind of hits home when you when you read tweets like that, I guess. Um, also, okay, well, sorry, did, Josh, did you want to say anything there? Uh, I was just going to say, at least with the character of Captain America, they can they can pass the mantle on to a different character if need be, if they still yep. want to continue like that mantle on, they can still give it to Bucky or to Falcon. So they, ha- they, they do have that, that opportunity to do that if he does decide he's done. Yeah, that's true. And, and they do set that up, or they have already set that up so well in the comics that, yeah, I mean, it's not... It, it, it won't ruffle the feathers of of avid comic book fans, I guess. I mean, there always will be people that love the legacy character and want Steve Rogers, but yeah, absolutely. There, there's a, a lot of scope to to try something else, and I wouldn't mind seeing Bucky Barnes as as Captain America, actually, or um, or Sam Sam Wilson. Um, although I would love to see Anthony Mackie a bit more under the spotlight. I, I mean, I know he's a periphery character, but and he had that role in Ant-Man, which was cool. But yeah, yeah, he needs a bit more, I think. And um, yeah, happy to see him carry the shield too. Uh, all right, and the la- there, I mean, there are a few bits of news here. Look, there was nothing on Moon Knight. So Looney's, uh, you know, once again, we've got to put our tail between our legs and, and just wish for tomorrow when there might be another article or some sort of speculation on Moon Knight. But uh, a couple of other big things in New York Comic Con, obviously, uh, and it, another one was actually released today, uh, the official trailer for Daredevil Season 3, which is absolutely fantastic. I cannot wait for this series. Uh, no spoilers, but there was a new trailer just released, um, you know, a fair few hours ago. Uh, so no spoilers here, but um, I will ask Josh if you have... Um, have you have you seen the trailers? Uh, yeah, I've seen the the official one and the one that released a couple hours ago, and I uh, yeah. I cannot wait. I know for it to come out. Isn't it, isn't it good? Oh gosh, we're gonna have to talk about that uh, next episode. But it every trailer just seems to get you pumped. Um, I'm assuming perhaps this has 13 episodes, Josh. I'm not sure if you've come across otherwise. Considering Iron Fist only had 10, I wonder if they if this will have just 10 or it might have the full complement of 13. Do you do you know? Or... Uh, no, I'm not sure, but I, I hope it's 13. I think yeah. they might have just did Iron Fist at 10 because that wasn't really well received. Yep. So maybe they're like, let's well, not overstay our welcome, let's just put out what we got. But I'm hoping this one is 13 because... Yeah. The yeah. more, the better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I yeah I, I tend to agree as well. I think they probably were always going to have to, s- you know, they always had a finite amount of episodes. I, b- I believe, I guess that Netflix and Marvel had contractually agreed to, and it was all about how they spread it. And and so uh, yeah, they probably did think, okay, let's give Iron Fist ten, um, Daredevil. Let's face it, I think out of all of them is is well for me anyways the top top show out of all of them um and so i would give it 13 as well uh out of all of them josh would you rate daredevil your, your favorite or do you have another one? Oh no daredevil is definitely the best one mm, for yeah. me yeah it has a, a good level of of darkness 
um, action and you know drama. It, it does. It, yeah, it has everything. I do. I do like the season two of Luke Cage, and I did enjoy. I must say, I did enjoy Iron Fist season two. But um, they're all so different, uh, and I think Daredevil's the most consistent and the most accessible, I guess. Um, so yeah, so Daredevil season three trailers were out. There were a whole heap of other trailers out in New York Comic Con. Uh, now, also, I'm going to... I'll leave that to last. Um, also, there's been some announcements for Spider-Man fans. I mean, considering, I guess, we have a, a sp- an amazing Spider-Man comic that we're going to review tonight. Um, yeah, it was announced that uh, Australian writer Tom Taylor will be taking on a, a new Spider-Man title. I think it's called Friendly Neighbourhood Spider-Man, which should be interesting. Um, I wonder, again, you know, if it's just a, a very limited series or not, because it's not your your typical Amazing Spider-Man or Spectacular Spider-Man. But, um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be keen to follow this as well. Um, Josh, are you familiar with a lot of Tom Taylor's work? Um, the name sounds familiar. I feel like I have read something or heard of something, but yeah, I, I, I'm not, I can't pinpoint in my brain right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, he does. He did, um, a lot of X23, I think, and he's doing X-Men Red at the moment. He's doing a few mutant stuff. Um, I think that's the, the, the main ones. Um, and he's doing something in DC, I think Injustice or something like that. Um, so, oh yeah, that that's yeah. it. That's where I've heard of him from. Okay, okay, yeah, he's he's pretty cool. I had a quick chat with him um, at Free Comic Book Day this year. Uh, very nice chap, um, and glad to hear. Well, he's got a big title now. Amazing. I mean, a Spider Man title is is a big thing. So, so uh, well done there for Tom. Uh, also, as well, um, Marvel Studios are reportedly developing a Dark Avengers film. This would be pretty cool. Again, the question is begged. Would Moon Knight be in it? I don't believe he was in the Dark Avengers. He was in the Secret Avengers, which was covered by Tommy in one of our trade reviews. But um, Dark Avengers, Josh, are you, again, are you familiar with this title or these characters? Um, I I know of the concept. I've never read any of it, but I know it's basically... That was Norman Osborn. Basically, yeah. collecting villains to make his own "quote unquote" Avengers team. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I have a feeling you probably know more about it than I do because <laughs> because that's pretty much all I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. That that's uh, I wouldn't have been able to say that, but I I agree with you because that kind of I, I think I remember that's you know along the lines of it. Um. Okay. Well, that could well be. Yeah. Um. That would be fun. I mean, there's all this talk. I mean, they were talking about the Eternals. You know, there's all these projects that there's... There's even the project that this I can't remember the guy's name, but he had as a secret Marvel project, and they thought it was going to be damage control. Uh, that's never surfaced. I don't know. It's a, it seems like there's a whole lot of ideas spinning around. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that they'll get made, but you can discuss them. So if, if it's on the on the table for discussion, you know, then all well and good. Um, but, yeah, let's just see... I guess what what comes of it, but um, yeah, Dark Avengers film. I mean, that's cool. I mean, Midnight's Dark, so maybe, maybe you never know. And finally, Josh, I wanted to uh, announce this. This was announced in New York Comic Con as well. Uh, a little, a little nod to our round robin review, and a little nod to uh, the Rick Ball special. Uh, Hasbro has announced a new line of Marvel Legends. 
Um, there are a fair few of them. Uh, some of them are the um, Infinity War characters, so to speak. I guess like the Dark Order or the Black Order. I can't remember what they're called. Um, a few of them. Uh, there's one of my favourites, Forge, the mutant. He's been revealed as a as a figure. But none other than Night Thrasher. We'll finally get a Night Thrasher figure. Um, yes. Yeah, how cool is that? So, <laughs> uh, so you can literally reenact Round Robin, I'm assuming, uh, with your Hasbro figures um, because there's now Darkhawk, Moon Knight, Punisher, Amazing Spider-Man, Nova. They're all there, and Night Thrasher has now been revealed. So I'm sure Rick will be, um, will be dipping into his funds to China and uh, he'll be forking out this one um, as soon as he can. But, yep, I mean, there you go. Other than that, um, there's a whole lot of other stuff at New York Comic Con. Um, what I've been suggested um, from uh, from Derek, actually, from Defenders TV Podcast, go check out uh, the Sci-Fi website. Um, they cover everything live. There's a lot of live streaming there. Otherwise, check out Twitter, follow NYCC, and, uh, yeah, see what news takes your fancy. Well, with that, oh, and with that as well, Josh, we, um, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, there's no words on the street from, from our man on the street, Tommy. We've got uh, a little message there. He is continuing his uh, ongoing investigation to, um, you know, to Jenna's Diner and to the back alleys of New York, asking salubrious characters um, what's going on. Uh, nothing has turned up yet. Yep, so no word on the streets this week. But um, how about, Josh, we just take a quick break and then let's get into our review of, um, of Amazing Spider-Man. Hi, this is Dave. And I'm Stu, and we're from the Signal of Doom. We're proud members of the Collective, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. <laughs> Yes, loonies, welcome back. We are in our lunar pick, which is, sorry there, the prompt sheet says modern. No, it's our classic review. And uh, due to the phase of the moon, it is, of course, a waning crescent if you look up into Conchu's eye. And that means it is, of course, yes, a classic run. So, um, so we have Amazing Spider-Man Volume 1, Issue 220, and... Um, can I ask you, Josh, where would this be available on? Okay, uh, you can find it just in your single-issue form. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on a Comixology and Marvel Limited, to, so you can get it digitally. And it's also in the the Marvel Essential, yeah, Marvel Essential Collection of Spider-Man Volume 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, it's, I think that's long been out of print. It's one of those black and white ones. Um, uh, but if you can hunt it down... Please do. I had a little trawl through as well. Uh, it's very hard to find reprints of 220, so your best bet would be digital or Marvel Unlimited. Uh, and uh, as you know, maybe similar to Josh, if you do pick up one in the in the bargain bin, just uh, just pick up, pick one up for a dollar. <laughs> um, Josh, we have also the credits for this issue. Would you mind reading these out? 
Yep, so it's Amazing Spider-Man number 220, released in September of 1981. The title is A Coffin for Spider-Man, written by Michael Fleischer. Bob McCloud is on pencils and inks. Colorist is Bob Sharon. Letterer is also Bob McCloud, and editor is Danny O'Neill. Wow, issue was almost done entirely out of Bob's, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so this is uh, there. Well, there's also a backup story to this, which I, I didn't bother putting the details in. And there was a small backup story with Aunt May. Uh, we're not going to go into that. We're just going to concentrate on their Moon Knight appearance. Um, so, for listeners that aren't aware, what we'll usually do is we'll give a sliver, a, a very short synopsis of what this issue entails. And then Josh and I will just freeform into some discussion about our favourite points, you know, maybe uh, speculations or tying it into uh, Moon Knight's current run, uh, and we'll end it with a Moon rating, uh, which can be quite technical, but, um, but you know, it's a lot of fun anyway. So anyway, um, I'm not sure, we haven't rehearsed this, Josh, um, are you? Do you want to give a go at the sliver, or I'm happy to give it a go myself? Uh, I'll take a crack at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, okay, so basically, so Moon Knight is uh, he is sort of committing crimes, quote unquote. Mm. Uh, basically, stealing stuff that's worth money for a crime syndicate, and it's sort of a competition. To whoever can get to $10 million worth of stuff stolen for them gets to become the secretary of the syndicate. And during a heist at a uh, museum, some, uh, some of his competitors break in to steal it, and Moon Knight goes in and uh, steals it for himself. And he's confronted by Spider-Man, who they go and they fight it out. But then it's revealed that they're working together to infiltrate said crime syndicate, which uh, Moon Knight then becomes the secretary of, and he gains all the information about all of these criminals, and then and then Moon Knight and Spider Man then take down the syndicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a <laughs> yeah no, that's a pretty pretty succinct version of it. Um, it was a very um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a very enjoyable uh, issue. We'll get into some of the points here, Josh. But uh, overall, did you did you enjoy this issue? I'm sure you did. Oh yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's a pretty, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a pretty standard story for the time, I think. Yep. Oh well, actually, I mean, if we start diving into it, one of the big points I thought um, was how well I think it was concealed. You know, the the real motive. Uh, what I was really impressed with was the setup of Moon Knight being this bad criminal. Because, number one, it, it was right off the bat. Um, he, he just stole from these other criminals. He took the, the, the bullion for himself. And you're kind of thinking, oh, hang on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Moon Knight is a hero. What's going on? And then you see him at the that, that crime syndicate, you know, standing up on stage where they're comparing how much they've stolen. And uh, I thought it was just really good. It, it, it really didn't give away much until much later where you find out that he's working in cahoots with Spider-Man. Even when they first encounter as well, they, they go at it. Um, and it's only afterwards that you, you see them talking to each other going, oh, you know, we've got to keep this, this jig up. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I thought it was really well done. How um, who was it? Bob McLeod? No, I got that wrong already. How um, Michael Fleischer had written the script. Um, what are your thoughts on on this particular point, Josh? Oh yeah, I thought yeah. When I first read, I was like, this seems really odd. But mm. I wouldn't. He wouldn't be going and stealing stuff, even if it even if it was sort of flat. Because at first, I thought maybe it's like a flashback back to like. His like first like first running yeah and but then then it's revealed that they're working together. I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, you start but, qu- yeah you start questioning it because there's no explanation at the beginning when he flies off with the stuff um, in the moon copter. Yeah, sorry. Oh, that was pretty much it. Though I do oh. have to question. So you look at that board and like so he's closed in on I guess was it one or ten million dollars worth of stuff stolen. Yeah. Technically, he still stole all that stuff. Yeah, that's so. That's true. So, do they just do they just give it back then? Be like, oh, we just needed this just so we can do this, and here, have it back. Yeah, that's true. I <laughs> I, uh, I reckon maybe off panel uh, when everyone was defeated, they round up all the all the uh, all the prize all the bullion, and they and they redistribute it back. I'm hoping, but yeah, you're right. He, he you know he still does a crime, so. You know, when you do the crime, you should be doing the time. But uh, yeah, no. So that was one of the first things for me. I thought I think it was a very, a very nice um, mechanism from the writer to to set up Moonlight Moonlight like that. Um, how about yourself, Josh? What what uh, what stood out for you? Um, I do like uh, I like how the uh, Flasher still keeps Moonlight. Like he keeps, even though it's a guest appearance for Moonlight, he still definitely keeps him in character. Like the yep. characterization is still right, is what I mean. Mm, yeah. Um, so you still see, see like uh, Frenchie and Marlene, they're still in there. So and we see him like oh, like he still goes by like Mark and Stephen too. Yeah. yeah. And they go out and he does like his Stephen Grant yeah. appearances and stuff. So it's good that he uh, kind of had all the main aspects of the character and they stay yeah within character. It's so easy for some writers, especially when a character is guesting on another title, to just not really do their research and not embody the character. But as you say, I think he's done a a pretty good job here uh, with Moon Knight. Uh, Yeah, so... And having that knowledge of his support cast as well. And and actually, even, even having Frenchie come in and cooperate with their, you know, with their, um where they're tricking like he he has uh, Frenchie dress up as Moon Knight to kind of catch the uh the criminals off guard um towards the end which is good uh, Frenchie with his huge twirling mustache there at the- <laughs> I was just looking at that I'm like that is way bigger than it usually is <laughs> so maybe not Michael Fleischer but maybe Bob McLeod there not doing his research but that is a massive mo I must say far out um but yeah uh yeah cool um I really also liked, uh, it's funny, uh, there's a lot of little things that I picked up that, that I really um, did enjoy. Look, one of the, the first minor things, I thought, if you look at the very front cover, I love how they've incorporated the title in the main comic book title. So they've actually got that coffin four at the at the beginning of The Amazing Spider-Man. And then you have Spider-Man in a coffin and Moon Knight opening it. I mean, this really doesn't say much about the issue except for one particular moment uh but it really would have you kind of wanting to know what the hell is going on here as well as you know 
describing Moon Knight as the macabre Moon Knight. It's almost a, a very kind of Halloween-y kind of thing, isn't it? It's got some webs in the corner as well. Um, but yeah, I, I loved how it, it had a coffin four at the beginning of the Amazing, Spi- Amazing Spider-Man. Um, and if I can just quickly go on to just another little point, I love the um, the nod to to Daredevil and his billy clubs and the truncheon um, because... I reckon a lot of readers would have been making the parallels of Moon Knight. You know, a very new character. He's only been oh, less than a year old um, when this was printed, uh, or just over a year old. Um, and a lot of people would be thinking, "Oh, look, he's got he's got Daredevil's billy clubs, doesn't he?" And and one of the criminals um, calls it out, and Moon Knight's just thinking to himself, uh, "That's Daredevil's weapon. It's not mine. Mine is a truncheon." And he starts spelling it out. Um, and then he says to himself, oh, what's the use, you know, I won't even bother, and he just beats up the guy. Um, yeah, I like I like that distinction. So they're really trying to um, consciously put Moon Knight, you know, on his own and make him his own thing. Yeah, I laughed too when I read that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, ooh, any other any other points there, Josh, that you want to raise? I do think, yeah, the art I think is pretty good too. I, spe- I especially like the first, like the shot on the first page. Mm-hmm. Where yes. you just see him on the on the edge and it just came billowing. It's a very, uh, one Batman reference, uh, an episode. So uh, <laughs> it's a very Bat- Batman-like, uh, Batman-like pose and shot. Mm. Yep. But I think it, it looks pretty cool. And I always, uh, it, it really popped into my mind when I was reading this. I'm like, what, the Moon Knight costume always stands out. To me, I guess, okay, maybe it's not that I'm, I'm not the first person to think of this, obviously, and I've said this before, but, like, the white really does make him stand out. Mm. Like, even, like, so he's fighting those first criminals, they're all wearing purple, and it's dark, and then, yeah, he just has that white, and he just, he's, like, glowing mm. in the darkness. Yeah. And, and, uh, and even, like, when they're in the, like, in the museum fighting, that first time when he, when he sneaks off, puts the costume on, and jumps back. It just really pops out just because he's in a thing where just everyone just wearing like beige and white. Yeah, yeah. And then this guy all, all white just jumps out like. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll ne- I'll I'll never grow tired of his costume. I, I freaking <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah, and there's so many versions of it as well. I do love this. Yeah, I do love this version as well. The all white, and I love how it in, inter um, intermingles with. You see, obviously, his his shadowed face. So just the hood. And the white eyes, and then at the beginning, it just starts out. You see his full white, white mask underneath the hood as well. Um, yeah, very striking, isn't it? And uh, it surprises me that someone didn't make that connection. Like it surprises me that it was uh, it was Charlie Houston, I think, that coined the first thing. You know, I wear white because I want to see. I want them to see me coming. Um, it's very, very apt here. And when you were mentioning about the costume there, Josh. I was just thinking of the real life cosplayers who do Moon Knight in the in the hooded form, and I think in real life it's actually even more so striking. Like you know, in comics you, you get the you get the tones and the shades, and and uh, even here I think it's mentioned that um, Moon Knight is black and silver, but he's literally all white. And uh, when you see an all white costume like in real life in, in the cosplay. It is quite, uh, it is quite noticeable kind of thing, um, and it comes across a lot more whiter. But um, yeah, totally agree. I love, I love the stance at the beginning. Um, 
There's a little nod to uh, Sienkiewicz here with uh, Moon Knight's cape kind of flapping, not quite doing the crescent moon, but it, it curls around uh, and it frames the the goons below quite well. Um, yeah, that, yeah, really, really good. Um, really cool stuff. I don't recall really prior to reading this. I haven't read much before, like the like the eighty run that comes before this. Um, but I think it's like the first time for me actually seeing him in the shot where he's swimming through the pool oh. to get into his yeah. room. Yeah. We see him with the whole, with the he has the hood down, but he still has like I never really realized that he has basically like the Mister Knight mask on underneath the hood. Yeah, right. Yeah, I never, I never, I never really noticed that. I think it's like the first time like I. They've seen him like with the hood down, but still have his head fully covered. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, true. I mean, it's not that often you see that. I th- oh God, I think I'm struggling here. I think in the Defenders, uh, we, we covered uh, the Defenders run. Uh, you know, an early run. I think it was in the 70s or early 80s, and it had Moon Knight as well. And you see his his mask. He, he kind of unhoods himself. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it is it is um, quite obvious here as well, actually, and there's no bones about it. And I, I, w- I wonder if this is one of the first major appearances of it because this is an amazing Spider-Man comic, and it's a you know one of the the big titles from Marvel. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's probably one of the first times it was really really shown um, quite well. And yeah, of course, I was going to raise that as well, Josh. Um, his secret. Uh, Entrance into his mansion. Um, I don't know if loonies will remember uh, David Finn from Signal and Do- uh, Signal of Doom and myself. That's how we entered Grant Mansion in his Isla Ra uh, episode. Uh, I, I find it, I always find it funny how they really tried to persist with this. Um, it's it's very corny, but I reckon they thought it was really cool. Like you know him <laughs> just jumping, going through some secret underwater tunnel, and surfacing out in literally like an indoor pool in his bedroom. Um, and if I can note again, all we see of Marlene is that she is in her underwear on her be- on the bed just waiting for him to return and uh and, and you know, go go in for a bit of a, a bit of a how shall I say rumpy pumpy. Uh, <laughs> um, so obviously you think of the times there as well. I'm glad to see Marlene is a lot more than that. But uh, it's always, it's always just. I'm always just amused how that sh- that's how she is depicted in these early uh, early iterations. Um, yeah, so that was uh, yeah, that was uh, one of the small points I was I was looking at as well. Um, what I also thought was pretty interesting, and again, this is kind of, I guess we're seeing the development of writing throughout the ages as well. Um, not long ago, I did a. Just did a review for like a Superman podcast on the Golden Age and how that was kind of drawn and written and and you know things are of its time so you can't really compare critically like from one era to the other other than just compare chronologically how they are and um, and the writing to this I thought was pretty funny where I'm going with it is this whole competition with the syndicate to me it's very juvenile and child childlike like to have this <laughs> un- underground these hardened criminals what are we going to do yeah let's have a competition with a chalkboard and let's just tally up how much money that we can rip off people like you know it's it's pretty it's it's something that you think uh 
you know, kids kids would do. Not not ripping off banks and stuff, but like, you know, just doing a competition like that and having Moon Knight on stage as well representing himself and it, it's all pretty funny, I thought. Um but, you know, it's it's an important part of this story, obviously. Um and uh yeah, I, I just yeah. Anyway, you, I don't think you'd see that sort of stuff now. I mean, s- stories are a lot more for want of a better word, a lot, a lot more intricate or can be. Um, or they focus on other things, more like character development and, um, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, I think, you know, I think comics these days need more stories that are kind of like this. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I think I'm a, like, I like my, kind of like my arcs, but at the same time, I do like just like the one shot kind of stories that are like this. Oh, you yeah. Know, whether it's silly or not, you know. Obviously, we talk so much about the Ellis run, mm-hmm. you know, oh, it's all a bunch of one-shots. Well, like, even if you have, like, an arc and then just a one-shot story, something, like, something kind of silly and stupid like this. Yeah. I think it's a good, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just a good, just a fun read. And it has all the elements of, you know, a good comic. It has your action, has your drama, your suspense. Yeah, yeah. And has your, your, your funny moments, you know. Yeah. It has kind of everything. I think some comics are just they're lacking in that kind of stuff nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I, I, I think largely because the characters here, like their roles are clearly defined. Like the, the, the criminals are as criminally as you can get, if you know what I mean. Um, and it, it really just makes a really clear distinction between, you know, and their motives as well as, you know, being bad or, or being good. And, in modern runs as well, and there's nothing wrong with it. Obviously, it actually enriches it. You get, you know, your anti-heroes or your villains, and there's always a, you know, you always see it from another perspective, and you know, you actually, and this is the whole character development. You actually can empathise with with the villains, and you know, sometimes you might even lean towards them in some instances. Or you have something like Civil War, where you have heroes that you end up like not really liking because of their motives. Um, over here, yeah, back in the day, 1981. Very simple, very fun. You know the good guys are going to win in the end as well. So that, that's um, that, that's um, that's pretty good. And yeah, so I agree. A lot, a lot more little fun stories like this. Um, Marvel is releasing. They they do release a few one shots, which I think is pretty pretty good. Um, but we don't see many things like the Warren Ellis, like the a whole run dedicated to particular one shots, one after the other. Um, yeah. It's it's very much still a very Warren Ellisy sort of thing, I think. Yeah. So the other oh, sorry, Josh. Any uh, another points? Did you want to? Did you want to raise? Um, I don't think so. I think they're, I think they're the only. Well, how about we talk about how about we talk about this whole thing uh, about the Moon Knight ruse with Spider Man then? Um, so as you mentioned in the sliver. Uh, if we just expound a little bit on that. Uh, so the way that Moon Knight becomes a secretary for the syndicate is that he is asked to actually kill one of these syndicate's greatest foes, which happened to be Spider-Man, which happens to be the superhero that Moon Knight is in cahoots with to try and bring down the syndicate. So uh, it's all very, you know, it all works out very well. But what he does, and I guess this comes back to the title, is that we finally see Spider-Man in a coffin of sorts. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. What are your thoughts on on, on this Roost, Josh? It, it's... Um, 
I don't know. It's very. Did you find it? I guess it, it's successful. But you know, if you're a bit more diligent as a villain, wouldn't you want to make sure? Um, I mean, I guess they find out soon enough that it isn't Spider Man. But if if someone came in and they said, "Yeah, I've killed him," and he's look, he's in a coffin. <laughs> it's a, it's a bit weird, right? You know, I don't know why Moon Knight had formalized it so much, like putting him in a coffin. Like you know, they they may as well have had a funeral for him as well. <laughs> yeah, now I think about it, now it is a little cheesy. <laughs> At the same time, the guys are—they're kind of dumb for kind of falling for it too. Yeah, yeah, for falling for that. Oh yeah, we're just gonna believe that he killed him and bring, brought him in, even though they are suspicious. Like, no, I think he's gonna double cross us, but yeah, let's believe him anyways. Yeah, yeah. And and who was who, who was the guy dressed up as Spidey? Is he? Did you recognize him? Uh, oh, it's it's the guy that they took the the sniper that they take out that they trick. Oh, into, okay. Uh, yeah, that, that they that they take out they trick using Frenchie as the decoy Moon Knight. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Okay, you're true. Yeah, it does look like him in retrospect. It was because you only really have one panel of the guy in the Spider Man suit and his face as a reference. Uh, but I guess it's implied. Yeah, when they do take him out. Um, well, it's not exactly stated, guess- is it? Uh, I mean that's that's why I took it as considering they have him knocked out, yeah. like the couple of panels before. But that also means that they had to go and get another Spider-Man costume. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I guess he just I guess he just has a couple of them made too. I guess. Yeah, true. And the guy would have had to have been in the same physical condition, uh, physical shape as Spider-Man, surely as well. Um, he looks like he's got a little bit of a pot belly there. So you know that would that would have been a dead giveaway. <laughs> if, uh, Unless I thought Spider Man had a bit of a pot belly, um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a funny technique used by Fleischer, um, and again, I think it just adds to the fun of this of this issue. Uh, there's a, a massive amount of suspending your disbelief in this issue, um, and you know, it's, it's yeah, just a bit of fun, I think. I like to do how at the end how Moon Knight's like, all right, well, we went to took down this organization, let's go. Let's go celebrate. Let's go to the most expensive restaurant yeah. we can find. Yeah. And then we'll buy this and that. And then Spider-Man's like, I can't fucking afford that. <laughs> and he just takes off. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it ends on a bit of a a bit of a sad note, I thought. It was, a, it was a really change of direction. But, you know, the issue ends with you kind of feeling a little sad for Spider-Man. I don't know. Did did I pick up that wrong? Did you um, did you pick up that at all? It's just that. It just seems that Mark and Frenchie just feel sorry for Spider-Man. But, you know, it's not that he's doing bad. I mean, how do they know? I mean, we know from Peter Parker that he's struggling as a as a photographer and all that. But um, just because he doesn't want to go to a fancy wine and dining sort of place, it doesn't doesn't mean that he's, you know, in the gutter. But um, yeah, did, did you pick up on anything like this, Josh? Um, I think it's more just... A, I think that's just... Uh... A no for the reader, I guess. Yeah, really, not necessarily. I think. I think if if this was in quote unquote real life, I don't think that's something they would really say. Yeah, true. But like, it's it's weird though. Spider Man's. I don't know. I haven't read enough uh, of around this time, but he's never. For me, he's never really kind of seen as a a lone a lonely character. You know, he's obviously always a solo guy, and he has guest stars and and all that. But there's never been this implication that he's been lonely. Not not at all. So. Um, if anything, it's ironic because because Moon Knight is such a lone wolf. We know later later on he's actually more isolated than Spider Man. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah, I do think that the only thing I would say is that it does sort of kind of wrap up sort of quickly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know yeah. if that's partially because of the the backup story at the end. Yes, or maybe that, or maybe that that maybe this is just as long as this as Fleischer wrote it, and then they just got that backup story just to fill up the twenty two pages. Yeah, uh, yeah, because, yeah, true. Yeah, which is yeah, which is first. Yeah, true. Because really, that whole the whole Aunt May story is kind of pointless. Oh yeah, I haven't. I didn't even <laughs> didn't even bother to read it. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, did you read it? Uh uh, I read it the first time that I read this, yeah. but rereading it for to preparing for this, I didn't bother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just looking, just paging through it now, it's like some guy tries like strangle Aunt May or something. It's like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see that now. I'm looking through it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not really interested in in that sort of thing. But anyway, I, I, I might have a read of it after this episode. Um, actually, it did remind me as well, Josh. Before I say that, and I think I've mentioned to it. Uh, Looney's on the newsletter. So Amazing Spider-Man 220 isn't really technically the the next um, appearance of Moon Knight throughout his history, like chronological order. It was actually uh, Marvel Team-Up Annual number four, which um, had Moon Knight, Spider-Man, Luke Cage, Iron Fist all up against the Purple Man. Um, We actually have reviewed that already, Connor and I, all the way back in episode two of Into the Night. Um, I'll put the link to that in our show notes if you want to, um, out of interest, just um, you know have a listen to our review of that. But that actually comes before, and this is the next one. So, of course, we didn't want to just cover it again, uh, so we've just skipped that. And, uh, yeah, we're on to Amazing Spider-Man 220. Uh, all right, Josh, well, if there are no other points... Uh, hang on, let me just... One little quick... I thought I had one more point. Uh no, no, that's pretty. No, it's all pretty good. Um, yeah, moon ratings. What would you rate Amazing Spider-Man Volume One, two hundred and twenty? A coffin for Spider-Man. Um, I think I'd probably give it probably like a three-quarter moon. Oh yeah, lovely. That's probably. A, let me just put that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good. Uh, it's a good one-shot team-up story. I think. Yeah. And it has like and the good like the good twists with the. With the uh, Moon Knight working for the bad guys, but it's all ploy. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. Okay, yeah, fantastic. Three quarter Moon, which is you know technically seven and a half out of ten. Uh, I'm going to be technical again because I love being technical. I'm going to give it um, just under a three quarter Moon. So for me, I think that is then a a waning gibbous, I believe waning being slightly less. Um, so that would be about a, a seven out of the, Seven out of ten, I'd, I'd say. Um, I really enjoyed it as well. I thought it was really good. Um, yeah, very very eighties. Um, it's kind of like those action films in the eighties as well, Josh, where there, there's no accountability for anything. Just reminds me of that, like Commando, and all that. You know, where Arnie can come in and he can just start shooting and kill like two hundred people and not even think about it. Um, is that kind of I know it sounds weird, but that kind of fun, <laughs> um, like you know, because you you know it's just very much just for entertainment, and you know no one's really dead or gonna die and stuff. Same over here, you know who the villains are, you know the good guys are gonna win. Uh, nothing was really at there was no like massive deaths or no no deaths at all really. It was all about people um, stealing money, uh, and yeah, so seven out of ten I thought would be uh, a pretty good indication. A waning gibbous for Amazing Spider-Man 220. 
Yeah, well, um, that pretty much wraps it up for this episode. Thank you once again, loonies. Um, Josh Geronimo Johnson, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Yeah, no worries. It's always fun to have you on. Um, so anytime, please do come join us. Um, before you go, Josh, would I please be able to ask you what we have going on in the next phase? Yep, so the next phase is Waxing Crescent, so that's the modern run, so that's going to be issue three of the Warren Ellis run. Excellent, and that should be a ripper. We have enjoyed so much the Warren Ellis run, and we're edging towards the uh, issue five, Josh. I know you and I hold that in high regard. Um, yes. A very, very cool issue. Issue three, no less so. Uh, so check that out. That is the one with, uh, it gets very supernatural. Um, and we do see another iteration of Moon Knight, which is a lot of fun. So that will be next yes. week. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Punk rock ghosts. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? I said punk rock ghosts. Punk rock ghosts. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's <laughs> oh, Anything Ellis does, is, is, it's got an edge of cool to it. It's really good. <laughs> um, as usual, loonies, you can email us on itkmoonnight at gmail.com. We have a blog site, intothenightpodcast.wordpress.com, for all our newsletters, all our episode summaries, everything there for your fancy. We have uh, a Facebook page, facebook.com slash itkmoonnight, and a Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash itkmoonnight. We're also on Twitter with our handle, at itkmoonnight, and of course you can find us on Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube. Just search for Into the Night, a Moonlight podcast. Finally, we're on all good podcast catches. And uh, if I could ask once again, if you do like what you hear, if you could please leave us an iTunes rating, uh, review, five stars, that would be really good. It just helps other loonies find uh, this podcast as well. So uh, we just love doing this. Uh, We love having people on, like fellow loonies like Josh. Uh, And yeah, let's keep the uh, the Moonlight Flame burning. Alrighty, uh, that is it from us. Uh, once again, Josh, a big thank you. I think we'll be seeing you again soon as well for possibly the other classic review. Awesome. That's the, that's the Avengers, The Avengers, right? yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that is, I'm looking at the sheet now, that is our next classic review. So uh, that's in a fair few weeks. But um, yeah, it should be good to, to catch you then as well. Um, cool. Cool. Anyway, loonies, thank you. Take care. Enjoy the rest of New York Comic Con. And as we always say, may Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. See you, mates. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.